Hey Hennes fans, this episode might contain scenes that include violence and sensitive details. Listener discretion is advised. Also, do remember to click on the notification bell to get reminded whenever we upload a new episode. Enjoy! She tried to scream, but she couldn't. She struggled to break free from his grasp, but was overpowered by his strength. At this point, repeated sounds of duct tape interspersed with loud screams could be heard as Ah Nam Ji restrained her hands and feet. It was late into the night, so no one could hear her cries for help. Stop moving and no one will get hurt, An whispered in her ear. With a coy smile, he tore the tape with his mouth before stuffing her into the back seat of his taxi. An entered the vehicle, taking a moment to catch his breath. The woman, who was frozen in fear, had tears in her eyes as she pleaded with An to release her. An looked at her, relishing this moment of victory. <laughs> he leaned towards her neck and said, This will be over very soon. Just be a good girl and stay quiet. Stay quiet. Stay quiet. He placed his hands on her thighs and felt a strange sensation. His smile disappeared and he noticed that his palms had been stained red. He switched on the light in his car and to his horror, saw blood everywhere. He realised his clothes had smudges of blood and started backing away from the woman. Please, I think I might be pregnant. I need to go to the hospital. The woman pleaded. At this point, An Namji stopped moving and backed away from her in disgust. His smile faded and his expression became ambivalent. He clenched his fists in anger and tore off the tape that was binding her. He looked at her face as the tape was removed from her eyes. Then, he squeezed through the gap in the middle and climbed into the driver's seat. He turned on the ignition and started accelerating towards the highway. An slammed the brakes, bringing the vehicle to a sudden stop. He took a moment to breathe before gripping the steering wheel tightly and punching the horn in frustration. He turned and faced the woman in the back seat, looked her dead in the eye and said, Go. Get out. Get out now. This is Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. In the previous episode of Heinous, we learned that Ah Nam Ji was the culprit behind the mysterious disappearance of two women in Cheonju, South Korea. His first victim was a 24-year-old woman named Jo Cheon Byon, who had an intellectual disability. He had lured her into his cab, promising a free ride, before bringing her to his home, brutally raping and strangling her. He would pursue his second victim after a five-year hiatus, a 41-year-old woman named Kim Mo, whom he picked up while driving near a district of bars and restaurants in Cheonju. 
Similarly, he drove to a quiet location and raped her. Only this time, he had demanded her credit card before taping her mouth and stuffing her in the back of his taxi, where she eventually suffocated to death. With his first victim, he had wrapped her body in blankets and twine before dumping it along the highway of South Korea's National Route 1. His second victim had her head taped up before it was tossed into a river that ran underneath the Jampyong Bridge. The Chonju police were left puzzled by the gruesome discovery of two bodies in a span of five years. However, they uncovered a crucial piece of evidence that would bring them one step closer to solving this murder mystery. Aside from the two deaths caused by Anamji, he had previously attempted to rape another woman in his taxi, but stopped midway after he saw blood on his hands while touching her thighs. According to South Korean news sources, the victim, who was pregnant at the time, said to An, I was about to go to a clinic after borrowing money from my friend. Please spare my life. Surprisingly, An heard the woman. He removed the tape covering her eyes and dropped her off in front of an OBGYN. Go. Get out. Get out now. But not before he stole 160,000 won and a credit card. Apart from rape, police realized that credit cards and money seemed to be of high interest to Ah Nam Ji. As a result, they traced the victim's recent bank transactions and found several unauthorized withdrawals being made. Upon further investigation, they might have reached a breakthrough. Have you seen this man before? A police officer said as he held up a wanted poster. I'm sorry, officer. I don't recognize him. After the death of Kim Mo, investigations by the Chonju authorities led to a statewide search for the man dressed in a navy blue jumper and a beige hat. He was last seen using Kim Mo's credit card to withdraw money at an ATM beside a convenience store. Authorities now knew what the perpetrator looked like but they still didn't have enough to find him. They reached out to the public in hopes that people would come forward with leads. But according to our sources, no one did. With nothing but two dead bodies and a blurred image of a man, there was nothing the police could do but wait for the demon to strike again. It was the 26th of March, 2010, two months after the death of his most recent victim, Kim Mo. Ahn Nam Ji had just finished breakfast at home and was about to head out for work. The television was running report after report on the dead bodies of women found around Cheonju. It's already been two months and they're still reporting this nonsense, Ahn said as he lit up a cigarette. Nobody cares. Move on. No one wants to hear about it, he said as he walked towards the television and shut it off. He grabbed his keys and headed out the door. What's your name, beautiful? Ahn said as he looked through the rearview mirror at his passenger in the back seat. You can call me Song, the woman replied. You look really young. 
How old are you? I'm 24, by Korean age. Sir, if you don't mind me asking, where are we? I don't think this is the right way. Song interrupted as she looked at her surroundings. This is a shortcut. I've been driving for a long time, so I know these roads, like the back of my hand. Ahn replied, keeping an eye on her through the rearview mirror. According to our sources, Ahn Namji had kidnapped Song shortly after picking her up from the park. As with his previous victims, he had pulled out a knife and threatened her into handing over all the money she had. After keeping the cash in his pockets, he demanded her credit card and her banking PIN number so he could withdraw money for himself. Ahn proceeded to tie her up and rape her. When he was finished, he taped her mouth and eyes shut so she couldn't scream or struggle and locked her in the trunk of his taxi. What? Did I key it in wrongly? Ahn said in frustration as he looked at the ATM screen. He typed in the PIN number again. He stared at the screen in anger as the credit card was released from the machine. This wretched woman. The nerve of her. He whispered to himself as he walked back to the car. It is unclear if it was intentional, but news sources report that Song had given him an incorrect pin. Anam Ji would storm back to his taxi, ready to interrogate Song. However, when he opened the trunk of the car, he would see Song lying motionless. Her skin was pale as a ghost, and she had stopped breathing and suffocated to death. Ahn slammed the trunk shut and left her corpse inside. With an undisturbed expression on his face, he got in the car and drove home to take a nap. If this wasn't sickening enough, it's reported that for the next two days, Ahn would continue ferrying passengers in his taxi while keeping Song's body in the trunk. Eventually, the smell of the corpse started to affect him and he decided to dump her at the end of the Daedong Industrial Complex in Daejeon. It was a Sunday morning on the 28th of March, 2010. A foreign worker by the name of Zahat was on his bicycle heading to the supermarket. He was cycling through the industrial complex, about to make a right turn into an alleyway, when he hit the brakes and stopped. Zahat looked through the gaps of several large trucks and saw what seemed like a woman lying on the floor. He got off his bike, leaned it against the wall, and walked in the direction of the woman. Is she drunk? For goodness sake, it's only 10am and people are getting drunk, he thought to himself as he approached the woman hastily. What he saw sent alarm bells ringing through his head. She's not drunk. She's... she's... dead. Zahad had discovered the dumped body of 24-year-old Song. Upon closer inspection, her mouth and eyes had been taped shut 
and both her ankles had been tied delicately with a cord. With zero hesitation, he whipped out his phone and called the police. According to a report from the Seoul Shinman, Song's body was found with bloodstains on her nose and small cuts on her cheekbones and her left chin. Deep purple marks that were found on the front of Song's body allowed pathologists to conclude that she had most likely died while lying on her stomach. DNA tests revealed that traces of male saliva were found all over her chest area. Upon further testing, it became clear that asphyxiation was the cause of her death but the report would raise a question for the authorities. Why did she suffocate when she could still breathe through her nose? Well, according to forensic scientists, the answer lies in the posture at the time of death. Most kidnappers tie their victims' hands behind their backs and cover their mouths to prevent them from screaming. If you keep your arms bent backwards for a long time, your heart rate drops significantly. Forensic scientists say that if left in this position for a prolonged period of time, it may be difficult for one to breathe either through the nose or the mouth. From the evidence, it was clear that blood from her nose had blocked her nasal passages. That, plus the increased difficulty of breathing, led to her suffocation. In the days that followed, the Cheonju police found themselves facing immense pressure from both the media and the public to catch the culprit responsible for murdering these innocent women. Investigators immediately set out to check for CCTV cameras that were installed around the area. Fortunately, there was one installed above the wall of an abandoned building that was adjacent to the crime scene. They pulled the footage from the camera, then sat and watched through hours of footage, until a man with a stout physique appeared on the screen. The camera showed the time, 1am on the 28th of March 2010. The man got out of the car, looked around and opened the trunk. It seemed that he was in a hurry to pull something out of the trunk. It also looked as if it was rather heavy, as the man could be seen visibly struggling to lift it up. He pulled out what resembled the body, left it next to the truck and frantically drove away. The CCTV footage was extremely dark and fuzzy, making it difficult for authorities to determine the license plate number, let alone the facial features of the criminal. However, the shape of the vehicle was clear as day. A white Hyundai Sonata with a light green taxi sign stuck to the roof. The police got to work immediately and started looking up every single taxi in the area that fit the description. They determined that the criminal from the CCTV must have returned to Chonju after abandoning the body. In the process of his escape, he had to go across a bridge. Specifically, the Hyundu Bridge at the Daedok Industrial Complex in Daejeon. A total of 67 white Hyundai Sonata taxis passed the bridge after 1.30am on the day of the crime. Out of the 67, one looked particularly suspicious. It was a taxi with reflective tape stuck on the license plate to hide the car number. The authorities immediately dispatched detectives to the Chonju Taxi Company and experts were brought in to decipher the vehicle registration number from the hazy footage. 
12 hours after the call from Zahad, the Chonju Provincial Police Department issued a statement. Today, 41-year-old Anam Ji, a taxi driver from Chonju, was arrested at his house and charged with the rape and murder of three women. A police search of the vehicle was conducted and sure enough, a cleaver was found hanging by the door of the driver's seat. Bloodstains were also present on the floor mats of the trunk and the passenger seat. These bloodstains matched those of Jo Chion Byon, Kim Mo and Song. In fact, his vehicle was found to be covered in more than five different strains of DNA from several women, leading authorities to assume that there were more crimes committed by An that were yet to be discovered. Police interrogations with An also revealed extremely disturbing truths, like how he had meticulously prepared duct tape and rope with the killing of Song and how he had no remorse after dumping Kim Mo's body into the river. Prior to his trial, An was sent for a psychological evaluation, which determined that he possessed several traits associated with psychopathy. However, it was clarified that he was not necessarily a psychopath. An himself claimed that he had never intended to kill the victims and that he even tore off pieces of the duct tape to let them breathe. This claim was rejected by the courts due to the massive amount of conflicting evidence presented. Before delivering his verdict, the judge made a statement in Korean, which has been translated and paraphrased here. Even after committing such a brutal crime, he has not shown any serious repentance, such as denying his intentions and constantly overturning his statements. An Namji was found to be guilty of his heinous crimes and sentenced to death. However, the verdict was later reduced to life imprisonment after a successful appeal and he is currently imprisoned at the Chunju prison where he is reportedly described as a model inmate. To all our heinous fans, any form of sexual assault can be highly traumatic. It can take a long time to recover, but no one has to go through this experience alone. If you have been a victim of sexual assault, please do not be afraid to contact the Singapore Sexual Assault Call Centre or SACC at 6779-0282. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, you can reach out to us via email at heinous at oneupmediapodcast.com or through our Instagram or TikTok page at heinous underscore oneupmedia. This episode of Heinous was researched, produced and written by Yo Guangjin with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks as well to executive producers Danny Cordy and Barry Toh from Media Corp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous. Hey